forever. And we as the church have become so enamored with the show that we forget that it's more about who we are and what we do than it is about this show or this appearance or anything like that. Christianity is Christ in you. The Bible says that when you and I believed in Jesus Christ, we were new creations, created in Christ Jesus. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And we are to live out that faith in our lives. And as he winds this down, it's very specific, and I, I hope to be able to articulate it to you this morning because it's very apropos for us today. Most of the relationships we talked about last week were more, or two weeks ago, were more outside the church. These are more specific to church. And we read through this and we see he talks about meats and sacrifices and things like that and we say, well, this is not talking about us. It couldn't apply to us. It has to be to them back then and there. But it does apply to us. Matter of fact, there's a strong message here. As... As unshakable kingdom people, our relationships in here matter. No doubt, once a week or so, maybe not that often, it used to be multiple times a week, but I'll run into someone, they find out I'm a pastor, and then for some reason they feel like they need to tell me all the problems that's going on in their church. And I, I don't... I, I don't I, I, I don't know. And a lot of churches have a lot of problems. But look at me. Most of the problems in churches are relationship problems. They're not doctrinal problems. They're not sin problems. Well, at the heart of the relationship it is, but they're more relational problems. And we as believers, we have to remember that if we love Jesus... We will obey Him. And His Word says there's a certain way we are to do things. And if we don't do those things the way He says to do them, then we're not obedient. And if we're not obedient, we're not pleasing to Christ. I don't care how religious it looks. And so, you have this divergence in Hebrews of men and women who were coming to faith out of Judaism. And anyone in this room that's ever come out of legalism into grace will tell you it's not a one-time thing and you're done. Years, I still struggle with things legalistically that were baggage from where I was saved and that first ministry I was in. And all along I pick up these bags and I carry that baggage with me. And so there's this convergence of, of those who were real religious and then there were some who were not religious. They were pagans. And they're in this one body. And they're trying to figure out how we can make this one body function. And the writer is saying, listen, Jesus Christ is better than all of this. 
He's better than the sacrifices. He's, he's, he's better than anything you ever experienced in the world. Jesus is supreme. He is the best. And those of us that know Him, those of us that know Him, we know that He's the best. But ever so subtly, these little relational things pop up and cause us problems, and they do so to remove us from the main thing. Case in point. Studied. Studied all week. Studied last night. Last night I catch wind. Something was said. And I want to immediately take care of it. And on the way to the church, you know, I started to pick up my phone and call someone. And I thought, wait a minute, I haven't even talked to the Lord about this. See, what the devil does is he works very hard to destroy our relationships. And if you think that he won't try to come between you and your spouse, you're foolish. You can be mad at me if you want to. I'm just trying to help you. And so... We learned about these other relationships of which we were to be very particular about. And then now these three particular in this text. The first thing he says in verse 7, Remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow considering the outcome of their conduct. What is this passage talking about? Well, obviously, if we break down the passage, you can see clearly who he's talking about. Our relationship with our spiritual leaders matter. Now, I will be honest with you, this is very uncomfortable for me to talk about. Because I don't like to talk about myself being a spiritual leader. I wish someone else would come and preach it. I would feel a lot better sitting down there saying amen. But, it's in the Word of God. And if it's in the Word of God, we're not going to shirk away from the Word of God. Now, in this text, I want you to know one thing it's not saying. When the Bible says rule, that word R-U-L-E... It is not talking about ironclad, ruling fist, ruling over you. It simply means to lead. That's what it means. It means to lead. Uh, I have raised sheep. I was not a very good shepherd. Matter of fact, when I raised goats, I killed more goats. They called me Kenny Kaborkian. You might see nice green patches of grass out at camp and think, whoa, what's that? That's a dead goat. Uh, but um, anyhow, we had sheep, and there's the funny thing about sheep. You cannot drive sheep. You can drive cattle, but you can't drive sheep. Sheep have to be led. Lead me beside the still waters. This is not talking about, this passage is not saying as some would abuse authority as pastors and make themselves out to be God's man, absolute God's man, what he says is the highway, and you cannot question him. That is not at all what this text says. And there are some of you in here who have sat under an abusive pastor who has abused his authority over you, he's lorded it over you, and I'm sorry for that. But that's not what this passage teaches. Notice, the con notice, just break it down simply. Remember those who rule over you, the leaders. Now, is he talking about government leaders or is he talking about spiritual leaders? Well, 
who have spoken the word of God to you, the qualifier, it's spiritual leaders. The primary responsibility of the pastor of the church is to speak the word of God to you. But in our current day, that's not enough. The preacher only works three hours a week. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. So we have to tackle on all this other stuff. No, it's the primary responsibility. Preach the word. Preach the word. Preach the word. So it's the context of the spiritual leader. And it's the spoken word. That also gives us the, the scope of the authority of the spiritual leader. My authority only exists in the Scriptures. That's the end of my authority. I can't tell you what you can wear. I can't tell you who you can date. I can't tell you what kind of music you can listen to. All I can tell you is, thus says the Word. And what's happening in our land is we have CEOs and not pastors. We've got all these team meetings where everybody comes together I remember this was a big push a few years back. We had to create a vision statement. And I don't know about you guys, and I'm not, being, I'm not trying to be condescending or anything, but man, I have ADHD. And you're going to tell me I have to have a vision? My vision changes every three seconds. And if you, if, if you, uh, if you understand what I'm saying, you understand what I'm saying. If you got it, you got it. And you know what I mean. And we put all this emphasis. No, we've we got to get back to the emphasis on the Word of God. Is the Word of God enough in churches? You know there are churches today that are having summer movie series. People coming out dressed like, uh, what was it? I don't even remember. Stupid stuff. I ain't going to say it because you all no doubt probably watched the movie. Trolls, that's what it was. In church, they come out dressed up like trolls, dancing around. And they try to make a spiritual application out of Trolls. imaginary thing are we the spiritual authority is only in the word of God not in my opinions that's why I don't preach politics and the church has really jumped head and feet into politics and is leaving the word of God we've got to redeem it and get back to the word of God the reason we're in the mess we're in is not because of the political, it's we're moving away from the scriptures, the spiritual authority. Also, he says, with whose faith follow. So, spiritual leaders have to be under the authority of the scriptures, but they have to be men of faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And what happens anymore in our land is we don't walk by faith anymore. We walk by sight. Preacher, we can't do that. We've only got X amount of money. Listen, we stepped out in faith more when we had no money. And God did incredible things. Not one of us in here has missed a meal. Unless it was on purpose. And I highly doubt that. That's, we're Baptists. God's met every need we've ever had. There's a song, and it it drives me crazy. He has never failed me yet. Take that yet off. That yet does not belong there. He will not fail you. And then, the last part of that, 
considering the outcome of their conduct, their fruit. Do you know, a lot of people say, by their fruit you will know them. And we got a lot of people going around inspecting fruit. Well, Jason, by his fruit, I will know him. Well, let me tell you, most of the context of that, those passages that talk about the fruit, is talking about the teacher. It's the teacher. So it does matter how they act. Now, based on that, he is saying, if the leader meets those qualifications, the church ought to remember and follow the leader. And I don't think it's presumptuous. I don't think it's... uh, any big stretch to say that if I follow the Word of God, you'll follow me. If I don't follow the Word of God, you won't follow me, right? I mean, is that common sense? Maybe you won't follow me at all. That's okay, too. But the point I want to make is this. Our relationship matters. We can't be battling back and forth with each other in a power struggle. Stupid. I'll be honest with you. You ask my deacons. I hate administration. I don't want to do any of that stuff. We do it out of necessity. I wish I just didn't have to fool with any of it make those decisions. Man, I just... Preach and stick with the word and visit. My, 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 my passion is preaching, praying, and visiting. We shouldn't have a power struggle because our relationship matters and the world watches us and they see us. And there have been times when I've preached something and people come to me and they say, Preacher, have you been talking to some, my spouse? No, but thanks for telling on yourself. I'm, I'm not joking. And people have been mad at me because something I've said in my message And I'll be honest with you, there are times when I've in the flesh said things that's not right. I've gone home and I've told my wife, I said, I shouldn't have said that. I've called some of you before and said I shouldn't have said things like that. But the point I want to make is our relationship matters to each other. Now, there's something interesting about this. He jumps off this subject for several verses and then he comes back to it. And I don't know if the reason I'm speculating here, I can't prove this, I don't know if he needed to bring Jesus into this, this discussion to remind people that it's Jesus' church. But look across the page at verse 17. He says this, Obey those who rule over you. Be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable to you or for you. So he tells us, This is what we should do, but this is how we do it. How do we do this? Well, obey. Now, I'm telling you, it makes me extremely uncomfortable when I say this. If I stand before you and say, this is what the Word of God says and this is what we're going to do, if the Word of God says it, you should obey it. You're not obeying me. I'm the messenger. You're obeying the Word of God, right? Now, if I stand before you and say, now listen, this is something I want you to do that's not in the Scriptures, but I want you to do it, you don't have to obey that. Remember, the authority is in the Scriptures. Right? Are you with me? Help me a little bit, because this is really uncomfortable. So, obey. Submit in the authority of Scriptures. If I can show you bedrock, the Bible says this, and you still want to fight it, and you still want to push it through, and I say, we can't do it because the Word of God does this, you're not submitting. You're not submitting. And that's where we're in trouble, church. Do you realize that there are churches who have caved to all kinds of woke stuff that is unbiblical? Things that God says is an abomination. They're, ador- they're, they're, uh, they're ordaining. And no one will stand up and say, this is what the Word of God says. 
Adrian Rogers. Oh, my goodness. Dr. Adrian Rogers, one of my favorite preachers. Man, he is a preacher and a half. He's in heaven now. They asked him to be president of the Southern Baptist, and he confronted the Southern Baptist Convention. And they, they were trying to take the Southern Baptist Convention liberal away from there, and he was the president, and he stood, and just a few men stood with him, and he called them out in front of the whole conference when he was preaching, and he said, we cannot move from the Word of God. He said, I don't care, let, there be the, the, let the Southern Baptist Convention be torn down because God's Word will stand forever. That's the kind of men that we need to be and the kind of men we need to follow. And we submit because the Word of God says so. And I don't know about you, but Jason lets me pick on him. Now, Jason wouldn't feel very good if he did something. I mean, he saved all year. He cut, he sacrificed, worked overtime, and did all he could to do something for Andrea. And he comes and he gives it to her, and she says, well... I don't like it, but because you did all that, I'll just take it. I mean, how would that make him feel? Now, she wouldn't do that. Sorry, Andrea. She wouldn't do that. You know that. That's why we sit in the back, preacher. But listen, how would that make you feel? How would that make you feel? And we do this. Well, the word of God says it, but I guess we got to do it. I mean, what's that say about God and your relationship to God? He says you ought to, you ought to submit. If, if it's the Word of God, you ought to submit with joy. Because if you don't, if, you, if you're causing the grief, it's not going to be profitable for you. You know what God's saying? He's going to take care of you. He's going to take care of you. Jim Simbola was preaching one service in Brooklyn at the Brooklyn Tabernacle. Thousands of people in there. He gives an invitation, and a man walks down the aisle with a handgun, a revolver, pointed at him. He's going to shoot him. Jim Simbla, <laughs> don't do it in our church, you're dead. <laughs> All you guys packing. But anyways, uh, <clears throat> comes down and points a gun at the pastor. And the security gets ready to go, and the pastor says, hold on, hold on. And you can see the guy was visibly upset. And he started talking, and the guy said, I'm going to shoot you, pastor. And, and he began to talk to him a little bit. And Jim Simbla, I'm not there, but he was. He just told him that you're not going to shoot me. And you're here because God sent you here. And they end up getting the gun away from the guy, and the guy got saved. He got saved. Now, why do I tell you that? I tell you this because, listen, there, we, people, we have our own emotions, intellect, and will. And we all have flesh. And sometimes as a pastor we can be zealous and we can drive, 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 drive to get things done. And it hurts people. And it's wrong. And sometimes the church cannot like the way things are going. I don't like this. I don't like that. And there's, you know, a hundred and some people in here and there's a hundred and some different opinions. Interestingly enough, those opinions that are the same always kind of find each other and flock together. And then we got these little, and then, you know, before long, it's over the color of the carpet. It's over wallpaper. It's over music. It's over stuff that's non-essential. 
And before long, we've got a battle in the church because this group don't like what the pastor's doing and the pastor, don't, he's reciprocating because he don't like what they're doing and we got this and it's not doctrinal. It's nothing, nothing has nothing to do with anything. And churches are littered all over the place because of that. There has to be mutual submission. The pastor has to submit to the Lord and, and the authority. I, I come under the authority of the congregation of the church. I'm accountable to you every Sunday. But I'm accountable to the Lord every Sunday. And so I say our relationship to each other matters because uh, God's called me to do this. This is not a job, this is a calling. And I tell you, if I'm following the Word of God, follow me. If I'm not following the Word of God, please do not follow me. And let me tell you, greater men than I have fallen. Greater men than I who stood in pulpits who were more spiritual than I am, more knowledgeable than I am, have fallen. So anyone is capable of falling. That's why you need to be in the Word too. So our relationships with each other matters. Number two, our relationship to Christ matters. Look at verse 8. He says this, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What he is saying is these principles he's teaching us will never change. It's not good for just the 21st century. It's good for all centuries. Jesus Christ will never change. He will never, ever change. And he says this, Jesus Christ is the most consistent thing in your life. I was talking to Brother Keith yesterday, Keith Matheny, and we, we all, oftentimes we call and go over our, our sermons with each other and get encouragement and try to encourage each other. And I said that statement, and he said, man, I would say it this way, Jesus is the only consistent thing in your life. I thought, that's brilliant. That is brilliant. Jesus is. Now watch this. Now, don't get lost in all the talk about sacrifices. I want to try to open this up for you. Watch, follow me. Look at verse number 9. Remember verse 8 says, Jesus Christ, same yesterday, today, forever. Verse 9. Do not be carried with various and strange doctrines. For it is good that the heart be established by grace, not <coughs> with foods, which have not profited those who have been occupied with them. Did you see what he's saying there? He's dealing with one of the main issues. Our relationship with Jesus Christ is more important. It's grace. Don't chase all these strange doctrines. Don't go out chasing all these new fads. Someone writes a book because it was good in their church, and they grew in their church, and now everybody wants to buy that book and do it in their church. Don't do that. Be connected, be connected to Christ through grace. For it is good that the heart be established by grace. Listen to me. This is very important. I've got to take my Bible with me in case I don't come back. <clears throat> Listen. This is very important. Our hearts have to be established in grace. Because by nature, we are legalistic. We want to do things. We want to do things. We want to do things. We hear something on the news that stirs us up. We want to do something about it. We're doers. We want to, we, we've got to do something about it. Don't just stand there and do something. But here's the problem. Our relationship with Christ is more important than anything, and it's a matter of the heart. 
That's why our hearts have to be established in grace. Not in what I have done or what I'll ever do for Christ, but what Christ has done for me. It's the gospel that is essential to everything. It's the gospel that changes everything. It's the gospel that allows you and I to get along. It's the gospel that allows us to understand and live out this book. It's the gospel. Because no gospel, no change. And the natural man cannot receive the things of God. The natural man can't understand it. They look at you, the word of God's foolish. You coming to church is foolish. You giving is foolish. You loving your wife. Only your wife is foolish. I'll tell you why. Because they don't understand the things of God. That's why our hearts have to be established in grace. And if our hearts are established in grace, everything... Listen to me. Everything will flow out of our relationship with Christ. But here's the problem. Our hearts are empty. Our hearts are empty today because we have so much stuff in our lives. And, and, you, and let me just tell you how subtle it is. Who likes Hallmark movies? Anybody like Hallmark movies? Some of you guys are all manchos sitting back here. And your wives are going... We watch Hallmark movies, and we joke about it all the time. They're all the same, right? The guy in the flannel wins. The guy in the big city loses, right? But here's the problem. Ever so subtly, what, what happens, and we've seen some of these movies where someone is married to someone, they're having problems in their marriage, and at work, this spouse begins to talk to this other person, and he gets me, she gets me, all this gobbledygook. And what happens is there's, there's this... this Pulling on our heartstrings, well, they're not really getting along real well, and they are, so maybe it was really true love over here, and it's not over here. And what they're doing is they're subtly tearing down the very fabric of our society, which is the family. And we don't even know it. We don't even know it. Our, our hearts are not established in grace. Our hearts are not established in grace. Why do you do what you do? Why do you teach Sunday school? Why do you teach Awana? Why do you drive a van? Why do you sing in a praise team? It should be because your heart is established in grace and out of the gratitude of your heart you want to offer up the continual praise, the sacrifice of praise to the Lord. The problem is, church, our relationship with God is deficient. In this area we are vitamin D deficient. I, we laugh. My dad used to live in Virginia. When you come out of the out of the second out of the second uh, tunnel on the turnpike, you would immediately take a right. That's where my dad used to live down there. That mountain was his backyard. Not, not the whole mountain, just a piece of it. Um, but there was something we always laughed about. We would go into the tunnel, and it would be gray, overcast, icky, and we'd come out in the sunshine, and we're like, we're in a different world. Has anybody else ever noticed that? You think, no wonder we're depressed all the time. We're, we're, we're vitamin D deficient in this area. We'd rather eat a donut than get out in the sun and walk. Can I get an amen there? We can compromise. We can eat, eat a donut walking in the sun, right? The point I want to make is this. You know what's the matter with us in our churches today, guys? The truth of the matter is... We're deficient in our relationship with Christ. We think we're fine. We're like the church at Laodicea. We're neither hot nor cold, but we think we're fine. We think we have need of nothing. The bills are paid. We got a little bit of money. We got a nice air-conditioned building. It's not leaking like it used to leak. And, and we don't have the bats like we used to. We have some back there, but we want to keep them from moving up here. 
Only church I've ever been in where a bat responded. You all were here for the invitation. Came right down the middle during the invitation and responded to the invitation. It did. Poor Eugene was up here leading that. Keith Matheny's preaching. I'm down there in the front row. He gives an invitation and, and Vicky's playing and Vicky goes, I thought, hallelujah, something's breaking loose. We're having a revival. And she goes and points over and Eugene's standing here like this with the microphone. Just as I am. And there's a bat landed right here on his belt. And I'm telling you the God's honest truth. You people here know it. And this wasn't remodeled then. And they went over. Paul Conley came down and Eugene did the Eugene shuffle like this over to the side. They got over there. Paul Conley quadded it down, stomped on it, and we dismissed that service real quick because it was over. But we did have a bat respond. He didn't come until the invitation started. He came right down the aisle. Am I telling the truth? I'm telling the truth. But church, listen to me. Our relationship with the Lord is deficient. And guys, we're not better because of it. I'm trying to get better. I'm trying to grow in my relationship with the Lord. I'm trying. And I know, I know that nothing else matters more than my relationship with Christ. It, 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 will, it, will, it will change you. The times I spend meaningful time with the Lord in the morning, those days, I seem to be able to even handle problems. But the days when I start off and I get doing things and I haven't spent time with the Lord, those are the days that's most difficult for me. Those are the days I lash out and say something I shouldn't say. Those are the days that I really struggle. And our relationship to Jesus Christ matters. Listen, something is going to come out of you everywhere you are. And we need to make sure that it is Jesus Christ that's coming out of us. He goes on to say, our relationship with religion. Now, now, let me, now that I established that, we'll come back. This, these are kind of intermingled because a relationship with Jesus Christ does not mean the same thing as a relationship with religion. Now, I want to show you this. He says in verse 9, Do not be carried away with various and strange doctrines. Don't go seeking after these weird things. Oh, this other church, they do this. It's so cool. They light the candles and they, they set the atmosphere and the praise. And it's just, it's, you just have to experience it. And, and over here at this church, they do this. And this church does this. And, and this church does that. And if you're not careful, you'll follow other men in other churches and you won't follow Christ. And so we can't change, chase strange doctrines. There was a book out and, um, a, a little, not too long ago, The Secret. It was nothing really more than a repackaged Gnosticism slash universalism that constantly comes around, resurfaces every so many years, just repackaged by a different author, and it's someone that Oprah interviews, and he's real calm and winsome, and he has everything together, and people go after it and say, that's what I need for my life. No, you don't. You need a relationship with Jesus Christ is what you need. This is Christ Church. That's the goofiest thing I've ever heard in my life. You take something from the world and try to infiltrate Christ's church. Shame on whoever. But he goes on and he says, and I already told you about, for it's good to have your hearts established by grace, not with foods that have, profit, that have not profited those who have been occupied with them. You know, there are some people, listen, I would like to take, 
I, I better not say that. That'd be very offensive. I was in Israel. You can't find bacon. You know, right? They don't eat pork, right? You couldn't find bacon anywhere. And there are some people who believe that they're right with God because they don't eat bacon. I don't understand that, but anyways. Verse 10. We have an altar. Listen to this. We, we. He's talking to those in the church, those who used to be steeped in this uh, religious Judaism works. We have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. Jesus is better, remember? We have something the Old Testament saints didn't have. We have something far better. That's the whole point of Hebrews. Jesus is better. Look at verse 11. For the bodies of those animals, when they offered those sacrifices, they took the bodies out, whose blood is brought into the sanctuary of the high priest for sin, are burned outside the camp. They would take those bodies out and burn. Why? Because they were unacceptable. Watch this. Therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered outside the gate. Guess where Mount Calvary was? It was outside the gate of Jerusalem. Therefore, let us go forth to him outside the camp. Leave the confines of religion and run to Jesus. Get outside the walls. Why? Because those walls are not your home. That's what he says in the next verse. For here, here on this earth, we have no continuing city, but we seek the one to come. Get away from the walls and the confines of religion and get to Jesus. Come to Jesus. You say, aren't they one and the same? No. Jesus is much better than religion. See, religion is what all we can do to earn our salvation. Jesus did everything for us. And we do nothing. That's the difference. The gospel is the difference. The gospel makes all the difference in the world. You're not bound to dietary laws. You're not bound to all these work regulations and all these sacrifices. There's one sacrifice and there remaineth no more sacrifices. It is finished. Jesus <coughs> paid it all. He paid it all. So our relationship with Jesus matters. You know there are people who do religious things, but they're still wicked and evil on the inside? Do you know that there are so-called pastors who are charlatans? who do good things on the outside and have a big following and people think that they're, they're really spiritual but they're evil and wicked on the inside? Do you know that there are people who are predators who sit in churches all across the land today and they're evil and wicked? But let me tell you something. You cannot be in Christ and be evil and wicked. Because light dispels darkness. Light dispels darkness. And the greatest key to all of this is this. This. Jesus 
is better than everything. If you have the Son, you have life. And you have it all. You got it all. Now, notice what he says in verse 15. Therefore, based on this, therefore, based on we're not seeking a city that has walls, we're not seeking religion, we're in Christ. By Him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to His name. When your heart's established in grace, you have no problem with your lips giving praise and thanks to His name. One of the key indicators that perhaps we're not where we should be in our relationship with the Lord is when we have the opportunity to praise and to sing, we don't do it. We yawn, we're distant, we're disconnected, we're distracted. We've got some problems in our relationships, church. And it, all this stuff is not going to matter when you see Jesus. We are unshakable kingdom people, therefore, this is the way we should be. Verse 16, do not forget to do good and share, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. But it all comes after your heart is established in grace. When your relationship with Jesus Christ is right, you'll have no problem sharing. You'll have no problems doing good. You'll have no problems offering the sacrifice of praise to God. That's the issue. Our relationship with Jesus Christ is the most important thing about us. It's more important than your marriage because if you don't have the right relationship with Jesus, your marriage is not going to be right. It's more important than your relationship with your kids because if you're not right with Jesus, your relationship with your children are not going to be right. You see how the devil works to confound and confuse all this? He would rather you come in here carrying your Bible... Amen, brother. And be a million miles away from Jesus. Jesus said, You honor me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. Guys, listen to me. The greatest thing in our life is Jesus Christ. There's nothing greater. Universe, world, whatever you want to call it, there's nothing greater than Jesus. Yet, Continually, more and more in our society, we put Jesus last rather than Jesus first. How many of you remember, I was growing up, I remember when uh, um, Jerry Falwell had the pins that used to give out Jesus first. Men used to wear them on their suit, ladies wore them on their lapels too, and it said Jesus first. People were wearing them around, and we used to do it. And now we wear, I don't, but some people wear LeBron James shirts. Larry Bird, I can see. LeBron, yeah. And I say that because Larry Bird was awesome. I would might like LeBron if he went to the Celtics, but anyways. anyways um, my point is this, guys. Listen to me. Please, 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 please. If I can do one thing, if I can do one thing, let me encourage you. 
Work on your relationship with Jesus Christ. Surrender yourself afresh and new to Him. Start your day off with Him. Talk to Him multiple times a day. Learn to depend upon Him. Get in His Word. It takes 21 days to start a new, a new habit. Once you get in the habit of daily talking to Him, walking with Him, reading His Word, growing in your relationship with Him, He's the greatest thing in your life, man. He's the greatest thing that's ever happened to you. And those of you who don't know Jesus, let me encourage you, come to faith in Jesus Christ. There's nothing greater that can happen to you today than to be born again. I'm not talking about being religious. I'm talking about being saved, being born again by faith. Church, our relationships matter. And the greatest relationship of all of our relationships is our relationship with Jesus. And if that's not right, nothing else will be right. So let me encourage you. Let me encourage you. Grow in your relationship with the Lord Jesus. The most important thing about you, the lasting thing about you, is your relationship with Jesus. Do you know him? Would you bow with me for prayer?